My name is Ryan Hansen. I am, I'm all you got today. Dave's out, Rick's out, it's Tim and I. When the cats are away, the pastors of play will happen. Sounds weird. I'm sorry. Uh, but for more details on these announcements, check out your bulletin. It's a really great bulletin. It's got a tree on it. Ooh. It's thematic. Man, Francesca's the best. All right. I'll be in Matthew 21 today. Um, it's going to be a fun uh, uh, scripture, fun sermon today. So track with me. It's going to be great. Um, but a couple things. We're going to be in verse 12 to 22. Uh, we're going to unpack uh, probably a section of scripture that ne'er gets unpacked uh, many times. It's sandwiched between two really rock-solid um, commented on pieces of scripture, but I want to unpack one um, uh, I guess all the commentaries that I own and all the things that resources that I have that I look at don't unpack this piece of scripture. So if it's bad, we have nothing to compare it to. Uh, but if it's great, I'll totally take the credit. Uh, but we'll be in Matthew 21. I'm going to give you context first, and then we'll unpack four verses down at the end. Uh, it's going to be great. So before we read, uh, this is setting up um, the beginning of what is Holy Week. Anybody know what Holy Week is? Or if you're, if you're from the, the liturgical church, you know what Holy Week is. Uh, Palm Sunday, leading up to Easter. I don't know all the names. I'm sorry. I know Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Resurrection Sunday. But this is, we're in Holy Week right now. Not us specifically, but in Scripture. Uh, so Jesus has just entered into Jerusalem on the cult. Uh, they've laid down their palm trees, uh, palm branches. All of the kids have already uh, saying, and they've laid down their, their robes and whatnot. Um, and so Jesus transitions into the temple. So would you read with me at verse 12? It'll be up on the screen if you don't have it. Hopefully. Yes, they're the best. Verse 12, you're in verse 1. I'm sorry. I put in more verses than necessary. Yes. Jesus went into the temple and threw out all those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling, and chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonders that he did and the children shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? Jesus replied, yes, have you never read? You have prepared praise from the mouth of infant and infants and nursing babies. Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he spent the night there. Early in the morning, as he was returning to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found nothing on it except leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. At once the fig tree withered. And when the disciples saw it, they were amazed and said, How did the fig tree wither so quickly? Jesus answered them, Truly I tell you that if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what is done to the fig tree, but even if you tell this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done. And if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. God, we trust in your word, the supremacy of your word, the sufficiency of your word. And so, God, I ask that your spirit unpacks the, the word for us today. Uh, I, hope, I pray that uh, your spirit reveals truth so that we can come to know who you are more. 
uh, and, and get a correct view of who you are and through that get a correct view of ourselves. Uh, but God, you are good and let us declare that today. In your name we pray, amen. So uh, before summer, at the end of the school year, uh, student ministry, we unpacked a book of the Bible. So uh, the way our calendar is going to work is through the school year from August to, to what is it, month before May? whatever before summer, June, we'll just say June 1st, uh, we're unpacking books of the Bible together. Uh, so we unpacked the book of Matthew. We spent eight weeks in Matthew uh, unpacking uh, Ma- uh, Jesus's interactions with other people, as well as Jesus's uh, parables, uh, some parables. So it was a fantastic eight weeks. Um, I loved it. I don't know how much they loved it, but I loved it. Um, but this is one of the, one of the passages we unpacked. Um, I, I want to bring in um, something we do in student ministry to Sunday morning so you can kind of, you can see. Uh, and we can dangle it in front of you as like a little, I don't know, something we dangle in front of you, I don't know. Uh, but let's unpack this together. Um, first, let's, let's see what happened. Uh, I kind of like, when I read through Scripture, I like to have a uh, concise what's happened in Scripture previous. Um, so Jesus entered into Jerusalem as king. He then moves into the temple and starts cleansing the temple. This is where we know that Jesus has muscles because he's flipping tables and he's cracking whips. Uh, he's kicking people out. This is not people's favorite Jesus. Unless you're really cool, then it's my favorite Jesus. Um, this is like, get out of my house, flipping tables, cracking whips. I love it. It's probably one of my favorite uh, passages in Scripture because, you know, Jesus is just as firm as he is loving. And then he starts cleansing, or he starts healing in the temple. Uh, all of the lame and the, and the blind come to him for healing, and, and all these Pharisees get real indignant. I really like that word, indignant. Uh, but they get real mad. They get cheesed. Uh, and they start like, well, you, you see what these kids are saying? And Jesus is like, yeah, I have ears. Duh. Okay? Uh, but then he goes and goes to sleep in Bethany, two miles outside of Jerusalem, not that far of a walk, uh, but he goes to t- take a nap or sleep at Bethany, and he comes back the next morning, comes across a fig tree. He is hungry, so he goes up to this fig tree, which we can kind of deduce is, is lush with leaves. Um, he comes up to the fig tree. He, the fig tree has no figs, and so he does the appropriate response and curses it to death. <laughs> There's no second chance. <laughs> the fig tree's done. <laughs> It's done, okay? It's like round up on the fig tree. Uh, and then uh, all of the, the disciples uh, ask him about the fig tree, and then Jesus gives an answer in Jesus' fashion uh, and super clarity uh, about mountains. Um, so uh, this is a great chapter to unpack. We're going to unpack the fig tree part of this chapter. Um, we're going to look at uh, why Jesus cursed this fig tree and what it means for us. Um, before you get compassion for the fig tree, let, let's, let's, let's figure out some stuff. So has anybody here ever seen a fig tree? Raise your hand. Put your paw in the air. Cool, cool, cool. So you know that relatively short amount of time, fig trees can get unruly. They go from little tiny Charlie Brown Christmas tree looking things to great big bushy fig tree bushes, right? And these, the leaves are unmistakable. They're big and they're green. Right, And so we're not talking like a fig tree like this as a fig tree. There's like figs hanging on it. Oh, it's so orchardy. We're talking like fig tree, like this size. Because it's unruly. It's on the side of the road. It's a wild fig tree. If you've ever looked at the cost of figs, you know that a wild fig tree 
and free figs are really good because <laughs> figs are expensive. Uh, but in the Holy Land, fig trees are everywhere. And actually, in Scripture, fig trees and figs are everywhere. So I think it's very, very neat to kind of look at some themes from this fig tree to help us look at this passage. Uh, it's not the first time figs have ever been brought into Scripture. Uh, if you remember Genesis 3 at the fall of man, uh, when they found out they were uh, shameful and they, they had done something wrong, they tried to cover their shameful and nakedness with fig trees. I mean, fig leaves. Fig, whole fig trees. <laughs> they sewed fig leaves together. Like, they sewed them together and made clothes out of them right? Uh, fig trees are, are throughout uh, Scripture in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Uh, so it, it's a common theme. Or a common, it's not a theme, it's, it's a common attribute uh, throughout Scripture. Fig trees are pretty normal. It's like us seeing tumbleweeds or fire ants <laughs> or Whataburger. It, it, it is a staple for the Holy Land culture. And I love it how, how the Old Testament and, and Israel oftentimes connects cultural things into theology. And so it's not just a fig tree and a harsh Jesus that's happening here. He's not just coming off the anger he had when he was, when he was cracking the whip in the temple. Uh, this meant something. Let's figure out what that meant. Okay? Uh, compassion for the fig tree. Let's get it out of our heads because here's the deal with figs. If you don't know what fig trees, uh, how, they, how they fruit, uh, when there's leaves on the fig tree, when it's leafy and, and, and whatnot, it's fruity. Uh, and so Jesus approached a fig tree that was le- like abundant in leaves. That meant that there was fruit on there. Fig trees are different and like they don't follow like the normal seasons that like apples do, I guess. But fig trees, if there's leaves on it, there's a pretty good indication that there's fruit there. So Jesus had an expectation going up to that leafy tree that there would be fruit there, and there was none. And so his response was his response. Before you think that Jesus, man, that was really harsh. Like, you couldn't give the fig tree a chance? Like, he didn't know you were coming. It's an unscheduled visit. (laughs) Didn't have it on his day calendar. And if you could personify the tree a little bit, like, think about it. Like, I'm a fig tree. Just hanging out. Oh, fig tree, got my figs. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, there's a guy coming. Hope he doesn't know I don't have figs. Oh, no, he's coming closer. Oh, no, it's the king of the universe. I don't have any figs. And then he died. It's my interpretive dance, my interpretive visual dance of of the fig tree. But we're recording this. This is great. But a lot of uh, scholars have just kind of chalked this passage up to being a metaphor for Israel. That if Israel doesn't bear fruit, it's just going to be cut off. Um, and I, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're wrong. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. I think they're right. Uh, but uh, Scripture as a whole uh, is relevant to us as Christians. It's not just pieces of Scripture that we like. It's not just John 3.16 that we like. It's not just the eighth chapter of Romans that, that we can apply to ourselves. The whole entirety of Scripture is is relevant for us. So I think it's, it's valid for us to kind of understand what does this fig tree mean to us? So let's do that. So Jesus, early in the morning, was, he was returning to the city and he was hungry. He saw this lone fig tree by the road, alone, just there. 
He went up to it. He found nothing on it except leaves, and he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. At once the fig tree withered, and when disciples saw it, they were amazed (gasps) and said, How did the fig tree wither so quickly? So a couple things that Matthew really puts in here. I love the way Matthew writes because he writes in chunks. He puts everything in one area and everything in the next area, and you get everything for that specific uh, passage in that one passage. This is also brought up in Mark, and Mark sandwiches the fig tree, temple, and then the, the mountain reference. So he sandwiches them together. And so if you want to get a different look at it, Mark's a great place to go. But Jesus is coming back from the morning after clearing the temple and telling the Pharisees off. He's coming back, and I... If I were to put myself in Jesus' mind, which, which is different because I'm fully human and he's fully human, fully God. But if I were to put myself in his mind, I would, I would assume that he's coming back like, man, yesterday was rough. I'm hungry. And he comes and gets it. And there's no fig tree. There's no fig fruit there. But I don't think this was a knee-jerk response because Jesus doesn't have knee-jerk responses. See, I think Jesus was flipping the tables in such a fashion that he, that he was doing so that he could get people riled up. Because remember, at the end of this week, he dies. People won't want to kill him if he's positive, encouraging Caleb. <laughs> he's not going to come in and say, God has a plan for you, man. Be blessed. Peace. I'm going to go hang on this cross. No, he's coming in and he's, he's flipping tables, he's rattling cages, he's making people upset, and he's disrupting the status quo so that they'll hear him. And this act, even though there was no one around, Matthew doesn't write anybody else around, is still just as important. Because the tree makes a statement. And it's not just about Israel. Let's talk about the fruit for a second. A plant's job is to bear fruit. If it's a fruit-bearing plant, its job is to bear fruit. An apple tree bears apples. An orange tree bears oranges. A banana tree bears bananas. A fig tree bears figs. It's its job. It's part of the way that that species continues. The seeds are in that fruit. It drops the fruit. Little tiny animals come and eat the fruit, and then they spread the seeds somewhere else. This is church. I'm not going to talk about how. But that's how it goes. It's going to go, it's going to have fertilizer, and it's going to be planted somewhere else. So that plant in its line can be continued over there. So the fig tree doesn't just exist in one place, it'll exist in all the places. That's how that fig tree got there. And that's how another fig tree should get somewhere else. The leaves, the leaves, those leaves serve the purpose of that plant. Uh, photosynthesis, creating energy from the sun, oxygen exchange, it takes in carbon dioxide, expels oxygen. If you haven't taken like this biology science yet, it's really neat. It's, it's applicable to the Bible, so if you grumble about how, oh, why do I have to take all this like schoolwork? So you can read the Bible better. Okay? But those leaves are there for that tree, the fruit is there for the, like, the plant species. That's what the fruit is there for. It's also there to nourish other animals. Okay? The fruit is important. 
know what you're saying? Well, maybe it just wasn't the season. Mark says it wasn't the season for figs. This kind of leads us to think something different about fig trees. But Jesus knows that fig leaves means fig fruit. And that's important. Fruit is important. Fruit's a, a biblical theme as well. There's a moth in here. Fruit is a biblical theme as well. You know, the, I, I guess the most important uh, passage of fruit to, I guess, the New Testament Christian is the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. If you watch VeggieTales or go to children's ministry, you probably have heard the songs about the fruits of the Spirit. Don't sing them. I don't like them. I like the fruits of the Spirit, but I don't like the songs. Uh, but those are important. And so I think it's important to connect those themes together. Fruit equals fruit. So Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus is cursing a tree for having no fruit. I think you know where we're going with this. But why fruit? Why is the term fruit used? It's used all throughout the Old Testament. It's used throughout the New Testament. But why fruit? Well, fruit nourishes. Fruit is evidence of health. It's the evidence of life in that plant. Fruit means that that plant is healthy enough to procreate. It's important. It's, it's the result of that plant having the ability to do that. It's important to use that. And those leaves are just as important. I didn't number these pages. But here's the deal. What we have so far and what we know is this, this plant didn't bear any fruit, so it had no evidence of health. It just looked healthy. Jesus' response to the lack of evidence is harsh. But now we have to reconcile those two things. How do we reconcile compassion Jesus with this Jesus that's happening right now? It's possible. It's totally possible. I think uh, our first response is to say, well, good thing that's only Israel. <sighs> I think we're good here, guys. We really dodged the curse. I think that fig tree stands for much more than just Israel. I think it stands for no fruit. So what does that say for us as Christians? I say this. Let's make some, some connections here. This plant looked lush and beautiful. We know that because Jesus went up to it expecting fruit. And if it looks lush and beautiful, if you see a plant that has deep green leaves and lots of them, and it's big and thriving... It's going to have fruit. It's going to have a result of its health. He went up to this plant that looked thriving, lush, green, um, fruitful, fruity. But he approached that plant and nothing was there. It's kind of like, <clears throat> it's when you see a sign for like free whatever and then really tiny in the script it says while supplies last. And then you get up there and supplies have not lasted. 
but they still have the sign up for some reason. I don't know. It's weird. But this plant, it looked the part. It played the right game. It, play, it, it gave all the right answers, and it gave all the right responses. It wore the right clothes and listened to the right music. But the plant had no fruit. Those leaves covered its nakedness. It covered its barrenness. If you don't know what fig, fig leaves look like, I don't have a picture for you, so let me just show you. I'm talking like hand size or bigger. They cover a lot of area. They're broad leaves, deep leaves. And they, they cover, the, it's hard to see into the tree and see branches because those leaves are covering everything. It's like clothes for the tree. Adam and Eve, they covered their shame and nakedness with leaves. Those leaves were there, and they were covering up that it didn't have any fruit to bear. The Pharisees were labeled as whitewashed tombs. If you don't know what that means, it's they're beautiful on the outside. They had a fresh coat of paint on the outside, but on the inside, they were dead and rotting because it was a tomb. It's meant for holding death. So there was no life on the inside, but it looked real good on the outside. Their choices made them look like a leafy plant but their heart lacked fruit. Jesus rebuked them. God pushed Adam and Eve out of the garden. I think we can, get all, we can all get behind hating these two groups of people. Like, let's hate on the Pharisees. Everybody will jump in board, and if, if we're infighting between the Christians and we look at Pharisees and say, look, there's a Pharisee, everybody's on the same team, we're all going to jump the Pharisee outside next to the railroad tracks, it's going to be great. No one likes a Pharisee. And I think if we met Adam and Eve, we'd, we'd have a few choice words for them too. It's really easy to kind of jump behind and, and hate on those two groups of people. But what does this mean for us as Christ followers? I think it stands as a warning. I think to remove ourselves from the connection to the fig tree under the guise that we're not Israel or a Pharisee, or Adam, or Eve, is to blind ourselves to the lack of our fruit. I think there's a lot of people who attend church and go to church and listen to Caleb and do all the things right and read all the Bibles and read Jesus Calling and do all of those things right, but they lack the fruit. But they think they're fine because they do all the right things. They check off all the right boxes. They attend. They send their kids to the town VBS. Like week after week, they've scheduled out their VBS and their kids go there and their kids can hear about Jesus. Their kids go to a Christian school and they know the Bible and they memorize the Bible verses, but they don't do anything with it. It's the lack of fruit. Jesus is standing, like casting a warning out to those people. The cursing stands as a true warning. Bear fruit. Bear fruit, not bear. But have fruit. And I gave some of you an out because some of you think you're all good. I don't have names to give, so let, let's be honest. I'm not trying to like covertly rip someone to shreds. <laughs> I think everybody kind of sits in, in church every now and then, and they're like, the pastor's kind of giving like this really cool convicting sermon, and like, ooh, he's getting real tough. And they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Art Garfunkel over there needs to hear this. I hope he gets convicted. Or, ooh, I gotta record this, pull out the voice memo so that Marsha can hear it, because she needs to hear this. Pastor Dave's getting hurt. Mm hmm. We all have sat in church before and said, oh, someone else needs to hear this. What about us? I think more often than not, when conviction happens, it's someone else needs to be convicted and not us. Because conviction hurts. It smarts. But this is where Jesus is going. It's the true warning. Be found with fruit. Now, before you freak out, and trying to like Google how to have fruit. Or like take a quiz to tell you all your things so that you can bear the most fruit. Or like put fertilizer on your feet so that you can bear fruit. I, I, there's comfort that comes with this. I think what I love about Jesus' firmness is that it's not given to just destroy you. And he walks away with a mic drop. He doesn't come to melt your face off and then says, have a great day. No, he gives it through love. Last time I was able to preach here, which was uh, oh, February, March, March. We, we unpacked Jesus's, John's letter to the Ephesians. I mean, yes, the Ephesians, the church at Ephesus. His call was that you've abandoned your first love, but he gave comfort afterwards. He's come back, repent. Jesus gives firmness through love. And so the love that comes through here, the hope that comes through this, yes, it's a very dire warning, bear fruit or yikes. But the comfort is that fruit's not our job to bear. We can't generate that fruit. That's God fruit. When Paul unpacks these, uh, the, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, That's not fruit that we need to do all the right things to to show off. That fruit of the Spirit is evidence of the Spirit in you. That's God declaring he's got you. That fruit's not on us. Our job with that fruit is to yield. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Christ did not die so that we could continue the life that we lived before. We don't get to continue on sinning so that God's grace may abound. No. We repent, change our ways, and move towards the Lord to act like God. But the confusing part is, the fruit of the Spirit doesn't come from us. It comes from the Lord. We're just the tree planted there without choice. We're there. And the fruit shows up. That's it. The indwelling, of the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit shows evidence, and that evidence is the fruit of the Spirit. And I think some of you are trying to take like self-evaluation, and you're like, I cut somebody off today. I don't have any fruit. Or I've been in a dry patch lately. I don't have any fruit. Or God's really testing me. I guess there's no fruit. I think, yeah, we can get scared, but don't be scared. While we step through trials which make us feel as if fruit is not evident, these prunings are beneficial to us. John 15, 2 says, Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit 
so that it will produce more fruit. John Bunyan puts it this way. It is said that in some countries trees will grow but will bear no fruit because there is no winter there. Don't mistake a trial for lack of fruit or punishment. Praise the Lord through trial because fruit will come of it. Hard times. If your whole situation has been flipped upside down, you find yourself in a, like, maybe even a physical place where your life does not look the same as it did a year ago. And you're struggling. And you're done. Lean into the Lord. The fruit is there. You could try and blame other people. You could try and blame all of those closest to you. And you could... You could lay into them as much as possible, but at the end of the day, that trial, that pruning, that hardship that is there is not there so that you can be defeated. It's there so that you can lean into the one who made the pruning happen in the first place so that you can declare his goodness and bear fruit in his name. That's it. That's what it's there for. That tree, that fig tree that had so many leaves and looked so healthy and so good, There's no fruit on that tree. It looked the part. It played the part. It had the greatest leaves you could ever, you could probably sow those leaves for clothes. I don't know. But the last time someone did that, I think we get caught up with having so much leaves and looking the best that we could ever look. And having all the cool Jesus t-shirts, listening to all the best podcasts, reading all the best books, raising the best hands we could in worship and doing our stuff for the outwardness instead of living our lives devoted to the one who saved us and pulled us out of death. There is a fountain of life. And that fountain of life brings life and evidence, so fruit. That tree did not have life. It only looked alive. So the warning here is be fruity. Don't be fruitless. Don't worry about looking great. Don't mistake the trials and correction for lack of fruit. It's just the beginning of fruit. So here's the deal. I'll call the band up in just a little bit. Jesus cursed a fig tree for being dressed in leaves but bearing no fruit. God saw through Adam and Eve's veiled attempt to cover their shame and fruitlessness with fig leaves. And yet again, Jesus saw through the the cover of whitewash that covered the Pharisees' inner death. Looking alive isn't actually living. Life is found in Jesus only. Don't confuse being put together or having the right theology with having life abundant. Jesus cut out a fig tree for acting like it was bearing fruit. Make no mistake. It's not time for games. But instead, he offers himself to bear fruit. As the seed planted in and the spirit who bears the fruit so that you don't have to. Trust and rely on the spirit for the fruit and find comfort in God's grace amidst our battles with sin. Jesus will remove the mountain. Because only he can. 
See that bottom passage of scripture? People like to focus on one aspect of it. And if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. There's conditions in there. I don't just get to say I want a million dollars or my mortgage paid off. God, I want your fruit to be born in me. I want to display your goodness and not my own accomplishments. The mountain that he talks about, but even if you tell this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it's not off the power of the believer, it's off the power of the giver. That mountain represents the impossible. The impossible is you can't be holy on your own actions. Only holiness comes through God. Jesus' works and his righteousness, his holiness and compassion are the only way you're going to make it. And his blood covers way better than fig trees or whitewash ever will. Here's a call. Band, you can come up. Would you take a gander at your own branches? Are you bearing fruit? Are you loving because Jesus loved you first and correctly? Are you joyful because of the Lord's salvation that's been placed in you? Are you at peace knowing that God has already written eternity future and no amount of surprise is ever going to catch him off guard? Are you gentle knowing who your strength really is? Are you patient knowing that God is accomplishing what he started until the day of Christ Jesus? Are you kind because you've been dealt with kindly by a God who knows you intimately? Are you good because God indwells in you? And his goodness comes from him. Self-controlling and denying of the flesh, its own satisfaction. Are you faithful because God has given you faith? If you sit in here and you don't feel like you have fruit, take heart. At the end of this song, there's going to be a prayer team up here. We would love to pray with you. If you're taking self like a self-evaluation, self-stock, and you find that there's no fruit because you don't buy into this Jesus thing, but you sorely do want fruit, we would love to talk to you as well. This warning is not there to say that if you don't have fruit now, you're done. This warning is there because if you don't bear fruit, it's because you're trusting in yourself. And I warn you, ladies and gentlemen, don't trust in yourself. Trust in the one who gives life and brings life. If you don't intimately intimately know Jesus and you want to intimately know Jesus, we want to walk you through that step. It's not the prayer that saves you. By all means, it's Jesus who saves you. But that prayer is the beginning of a lifelong commitment to Christ. So if you are taking stock and evaluation today and you're not bearing fruit because you are a believer, but you feel like you just, you're done, come pray with us. If you're taking stock and you don't hold fruit because you're not a believer and you want to change that or you want to figure what that's about, come talk to us. Come pray with us. We'll pray with you. This warning is not so much a warning as an offer. These fruits of the Spirit are the reflection of God's holiness placed in us. 
We can cover it up and we can choke it out with thorns and chase after the bad fruit, but at the end of the day, the only good fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. And the only evidence of the Lord is his fruit. Let the Holy Spirit guide you in truth and bear fruit in you so that you may be found fruitful. If you're finding... Oh, I already said that part. I skipped. I mean it. Scripture, when it's harsh, is, is still good. There is grace to cover a multitude of sins. Anger, jealousy, hatred. Jesus asked that you come. I grew up, I grew up as a Baptist. I still am a Baptist. <laughs> but we use an altar. If you find yourself lacking fruit, concerned about fruit, not having fruit because of disbelief, these steps are open. It's a time for you to come and pray. Your chair is open. I mean, you're sitting in it. It's your chair. You could sit down and pray. But I invite you to reach out. After this song, there's going to be a prayer team that's going to be up here. There's a prayer room in the back. Come, pray, share your burden. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. God, we thank you for this morning, but we thank you more for the for the promise that comes with the morning. God, I pray that if conviction is in this room, that it leads to good fruit. If pruning is happening, God, I pray that fruit comes out of that pruning. God, I pray for the people of grace. They are found fruitful. You are good, Lord. May we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us?